And we're back. I'm Gervier Brahm here with Chamakar Sandu, and we are screen off script. This week, we're getting into Godzilla Minus One, Dream Scenario, and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week. The Independent Spirit Awards, where the dress code is get dressed. Yes. The Independent Spirits. Independent Spirit sounds like the way you would compliment someone who's kind of hard to compliment. You know, you're like, she's got a really independent spirit. It sounds like something from the eulogy of a drug addict, you know? He was a really independent spirit. If you told him not to do something, he'd do it, and that's a big reason why we're here. Independent film. Now, what do we mean when we say film? Well, in many ways, we mean movies. Mm -hmm. All right, gentlemen, we're back. Uh, We're going to be talking about Godzilla, Dream Scenario. We got timestamps in our description. So first thing. We're in award season now. We are. Basically, the start of December, you know, we're we're in the season where, like, people who've been watching a lot of these movies, I think it's like a fun little payoff time. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, we've been watching everything. Yeah, it's like you have your favorites. Yeah. But then, because you've pretty much seen everything, it's interesting to see what makes the cut. Mm-hmm. Even then, like, the first of what I've seen of uh, award nominations have been released by the Independent Spirit Awards. Mm. That award show specifically is obviously for, like, independent films. Right. Right? And celebrating independent films, you're not going to see a lot of Oppenheimer, Barbie, that kind of stuff on there. But they did release their nominees for Best Picture. I just wanted to pass that along because a few, like, I haven't seen half these movies, if I'm being honest. Right. So there is, like, a lot of that kind of stuff as well. First thing, as far as nominations go, past lives, obviously, I think we assumed that would end up doing really well everywhere. May, December, uh, American Fiction, Passages, We Grown Now, and All of Us Strangers. I haven't seen the last three there. I haven't seen Passages, I haven't seen We Grown Now, and I haven't seen All of Us Strangers. Okay, so we've seen half, right? Yeah. We've seen 50%. For me, like, you know, when I look at it, it looks like this, it just makes me go, okay, cool, I still have a few... Yes, to watch yeah nice sure. number one yeah but uh number two i'm so glad to see past lives kind of in that conversation i want to see it like more in that conversation i'm not surprised to see a movie like may december in that conversation because as far as like acting awards go i can imagine like uh natalie portman or like even a julianne moore getting a little bit of love there yeah but i i really think that american fiction is going to be kind of that movie that it hasn't started now because it hasn't gotten a general release yet yeah but i feel like it's going to be like one of those movies that's probably going to have like a little bit of a late like oh wow look how well this is doing in award season because Mm -hmm. i feel like it's one of those movies that's just uh it's one of the more difficult to explain why it's so good, but it is really one of the most interesting movies of the year. Yeah, and as a reminder, when we were at the Toronto International Film Festival, it actually ended up winning the People's Choice Award mm-hmm. at TIFF this year. But but that aside, just the, the three films that we have seen from that list of six, they couldn't be more different from each other. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful thing to see, right? Past Lives, American Fiction, and May, December could not be any more different in terms of genre, uh, the sort of filmmaking involved, uh, the stories that are told in these movies. Mm-hmm. And I agree, it makes me now want to go and kind of find out and search to see if I can find the other movies on that list. Yeah. Because if they're you know, sitting amongst movies like Past Lives, American Fiction, and May, December... They must be pretty damn good. Also, like for me, this was always like a thing where once these lists are coming out, it was like almost that reminder of cool. Let's just run through all of these mm. and it would be like a super fun time. So uh, this is almost like our Christmas season, you know, yeah. like this is the beginning of like, all right, cool. Halloween just finished. Let's move into this now. Yeah. Next, I got Wes Ball, who will be directing the live action Legend of Zelda movie. He says that he's looking to make a live action Miyazaki movie. Wow. So for me, obviously music to my ears. That's kind of mm. what they did with. Uh, Breath of the Wild, if you are a Zelda fan. Like, they basically took the idea of what Zelda was and they set it in this world that looked so Miyazaki-like. And I think that's the reason why Breath of the Wild is, like, as loved as it is. Yeah. I For me, it's, like, maybe my favorite video game of all time. Right. And um, And that's, you know super low value because i'm not a video game person at all but at the same time like that movie or that that game like totally just took me into that world and Mm -hmm. made me want to like live there for like a while it was so great but to hear that this is what his intentions are i was initially really hesitant Mm -hmm. about this zelda movie because it's like such a delicate property and i think it's like a sacred property almost Mm -hmm. a little bit because people have been wanting this kind of thing it's a property that we've like grown up with yeah in such a way that you're like well, if you're going to do it, you better make it like great. Yep. So uh, I hope like this, this is much more optimistic for me. Like my hype is kind of building. Yeah, it sounds incredible. Uh, the last Zelda game I played was the Ocarina of Time. And I grew up playing every single Zelda game from the uh, the 8-bit Nintendo, the very first game. And man, when I think about what's kind of happening now with video game adaptations, it finally feels like they've broken through a glass window. 
like you see what's happening with the last of us in terms of what could be done and achieved from a television show show and an episodic series obviously nintendo being involved and very hands-on the success of super mario brothers one of the biggest hits of the year for them to then follow up with a zelda movie it feels like they're going to make sure they get it right Mm, because if you can get it right and everything that um he wants to do in terms of the look and the feel of the movie is done well there's no reason why this can't be a massive franchise for them as well not only just a massive franchise but i hope what happens is it's a great movie obviously that's the most optimistic i can be about it yeah but if that were to happen i think a lot of people would love the iconography of it and the visuals that kind of come with it and that would probably create a whole new pocket of like these studio ghibli fans yeah it would just be like a nice little weaving into a whole other universe that's already like built and has created such amazing art anyways Mm -hmm. next i got margot robbie talking about the chances of barbie 2 and uh she basically said that we put everything into that first film and it's so good she's basically like oh no like saying like she doesn't want to do it but at the same time i'd do anything to be back on that set again knowing the success of barbie and i I really agree with that sentiment that where it's like almost like precious where it's like all right cool we did that and we don't have an idea past this let's keep this thing sacred i i really value that too where do you kind of lie on the likeliness of a barbie 2 happening at this point? highly likely i said it in our review as well like the fact that this is one of the well the highest grossing movie of the year it's you know if you look at the the, the kind of companies involved like this is a massive money maker for them mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that a potential sequel would ruin anything yes there's a there's a risk there's always a risk mm. right but i think in the hands of a margot robbie and in the hands of a greta gerwig given the time if they can flesh something out and build something and build upon it with ryan gosling involved again it's funny thing that she said there she she misses being on the set i almost miss being in that world i almost want to explore more of that world yeah and i feel like there's a lot of fun different directions that could potentially go in here yeah i i agree with the idea of like it's a fun world to explore i do kind of land on the side of like yeah maybe we should just leave this alone sure but i'm also you know i'm aware this movie made a lot of money they probably want to make more money i get that yeah i almost see it as by the time award season comes around they wouldn't even talk about plans for barbie 2 you know what i mean like that's probably gonna be something that's talked about and asked about but why would a studio even want to have that really in people's heads they want people to be focusing on this thing and almost the opposite like don't even think about it as a franchise right now just focus on this as a movie because we want when award season comes around we want it to be getting its flowers to the fullest of its potential yeah and i wonder if it's even something coming from the studio it's probably journalists and media that are getting opportunities to speak to greta and margot hey the movie did really well do you want to make a sequel and they're in a position where they have to answer these questions and then obviously outlets run with it kind of festers this idea of a a sequel potentially happening yeah but i think what would happen is if they did win Mm. big awards around the oscars or golden globes or whatever i think once the award season's over that would be like probably a time when if they were going to announce something they probably would announce something at that point yeah so if like let's imagine a world where barbie wins best picture that the next day would be like the greatest day to be like well you love that here's another one yeah or even like around that same time but i don't know i'm still hesitant i still think it depends because it's purely dependent on greta gerwig being involved again for sure and it's dependent obviously on margot and uh ryan gosling being there they those can, three are 100 required for I, me to have any enthusiasm for a sequel i think so too and not only that but like i think the enthusiasm as a fan base would be purely around them almost as like a core but mm-hmm. More than that, I, I almost expect that those three, they're in a pocket right now where they can do whatever they want. Yeah. I wonder if they would want to like bank on doing a sequel instead of being like, well, now we actually have this cachet. I can do whatever I want. Right. And I think it's like a different choice that you can make. I, I don't know. I guess it really depends. There's like a embarrassment of riches as far yeah. as their options go. For sure. But uh, yeah, let's see where that happens. Speaking of both of those actors, though, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling will star as the parents of Danny and Debbie Ocean in the upcoming Ocean's prequel. That's what we know so far. Also, uh, the director, Jay Roach, he said that it will be set during the 1962 Monaco Grand Prix as they will teach their children how to steal. That sounds like a really cool movie to me, if you, if you ask me, especially with that cast. Yeah. That sounds like a really dope looking and probably a really fun movie too. Man, I don't know why, but I'm not there with the enthusiasm of this project. I, I love the idea of uh, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling working together again and seeing them on screen again. They have incredible chemistry. Mm-hmm. So that part checks the box for me, but I have not liked any 
Oceans movie except for the original Oceans 11. Yeah, like, I mean, I agree. But and I know this is a prequel, different film. Yeah. Compa- I know, it's, it's like completely like a different. different film entirely. 100%, I, I know. Like, the only connective tissue you really have to satisfy is, like, these, this guy has to be able to grow up and be an expert at heist. Yeah. Like, that's fine. Yeah. That's, like, very loose. And I like the idea set in the past, obviously, because it eliminates the idea of modern technology and you can kind of lean into that in terms of just, you know, what they're able to do with sleight of hand and, and you know, however they're kind of going to figure out how to rob people or rob casinos or whatever they end up doing, right? But yeah, I mean, the idea of them two working together definitely checks a massive box for me. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. That would be a very highly anticipated move for me Mm. when we do find out when it comes out. Speaking of highly anticipated sequels, Will Smith actually confirmed that he will star in I Am Legend 2 with Michael B. Jordan. He says, and this is obviously, it probably already happened, but he says, uh, I have a call with Michael B. Jordan tomorrow. The script just came in. We're going with the DVD version where my character lived. So where's your thought process on this? Like, how are you kind of feeling about that? Sure. Number one, I have not seen the DVD extended cut where he actually lives. I've only seen the theatrical version where You've he dies. You've never seen the clip on like Twitter or something? I haven't even seen the clip. I don't even know what the scenario is where he survives and he lives. And, it's fine. Right. It's, it's everything you imagine it to be. He sure. lives. That's right. it. Yeah. yeah. He escapes. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I don't know what your memory is or what your enthusiasm and general feeling is of i am legend but it's a project that for the longest time i was reading about because initially it was supposed to be directed by ridley scott and starring uh, arnold schwarzenegger and it was development in the 90s development hell for years right and then this will smith project comes out and i thought it was a fine movie it's not something that i'm like yo that was sick I can't believe it. One of my favorite films of the year. It's not a movie that I'm not going out, going out of my way to kind of like rewatch or anything like that. But I don't really care for a sequel, if I'm being honest with you. I really don't. I think it's interesting that Michael B. Jordan, like obviously this is just like spicy gossip nonsense, mm-hmm. but like obviously Jonathan Majors is going through his trial. There was a period when Creed 3 was coming out where it felt like, okay, cool. These two, Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors are almost going to be paired together now and yeah. see what movies they can work on. But now... You know, Michael B. Jordan is uh, now attaching himself to Will Smith, who's another, like, oddly... I, I, you know what? Like, uh, after, like, all this time, it's it's been a while, but at the same time, it's still going to be, like, kind of weird. Like, he has this weird perception over him right now. Yeah. But I'm sure he just needs a couple projects, and I'm sure everybody will love him again. That's what this feels like. It feels like a rehab project, because... Um, after the whole incident, the, the slapping incident at the Oscars, he had Emancipation come out, which was like an Apple exclusive. It kind of just came and went, really. I haven't even seen it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know if the film's yeah, any good. I, I haven't or, seen it, so I don't want to judge it. Yeah, ne- neither do I, right? Yeah. I don't know if, if his performance is any good or anything, but it kind of just kind of came and went. This feels like almost him dipping into the, all right, cool. I'm going to go back into Will Dependence Day from the 90s. It's going to be a big summer blockbuster. It's a movie that everyone's familiar with. It's a sequel, IP franchise, just to kind of yeah i guess try to entertain people from that you know regard i don't know i, I don't see it as like a move because they were already planning on doing it before all this controversial stuff kind of happened so mm. i feel like it's almost just them being like well people will move on at some point yeah you're right they have talked about doing the sequel for a while since the first movie came yeah, out it's been, yeah it's been a it's been a very long time right and uh i guess at the just at the time right now it just feels like well how is will smith gonna still bounce back he's still in recovery mode perceptually yeah, no, isn't he? I, I, yeah, but like, I'm not even thinking about it that way. I'm just thinking about like from the perspective of like, how could this movie be good or not good? Sure. And I think from like that perspective, there's a lot of there's a lot of like leeway. Like, especially like people still will watch Will Smith movies. I wouldn't think they would stop watching Will Smith movies. But on top of that, pairing with a Michael B. Jordan that makes the movie more like, all right, cool. I gotta watch this. Yeah. I think it's almost like more dependent on a guy like Michael B. Jordan. Not only that, but. It's a zombie movie. Yeah. It's not like there's like a massive zombie franchise right now that's kind of like completely taking sure. over. There's really an opportunity there, number one. And uh, it is a beloved franchise. As much as it's not like the best movie ever, I think there's a lot of people that get really excited about the concept, like mm-hmm. I Am Legend, mm-hmm. right? Like zombie survival movies are just fun in general. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I think there's still like a potential as far as like a world or whatever they're really doing. I'm not 100% like excited about it, but yeah, I'll probably watch it when it comes out. Oh, yeah, I will watch it for sure. Uh, Because you can already tell this is going to be one of those flicks that will get that one of the most anticipated summer blockbusters of the season. And you're going to end up watching it opening weekend because it will do good numbers because Mm. it is a sequel. And you are right. They are probably a generation of people that grew up with this movie really, really loving it. Yeah. And I think it's one of those movies that especially during that like really fun Will run. This was still part of that. Yes, it definitely was. You get excited about like all the Will Smith movies that you kind of grew up on. 
this is on the tail end, but it's also on like probably for a lot of people like the the peak or something, you know, like not mm. everybody probably grew up on bad boys or not everybody probably grew up on Fresh Prince. Yeah. So they probably are like, yo, I like Will Smith because of movies like I Am Legend. This for me was kind of on that tail end of that massive Will Smith boom period. It was Fresh Prince, Bad Boys, Independence Day, Men in Black. It's not even like like a matter of subjectivity. That guy was on a number one run yeah. for so long and it wasn't until... That movie with his son came out, I think, that kind of ruined that uh, the number one streak he had. But mm. like for a while, anything he put out was like the number one movie. Yeah, to varying degrees of success, of course, because mm. but yeah. regardless, like that's like a ridiculous run. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I'm just talking about gen- general quality. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do feel like those kind of big blockbuster style movies. It was very much the first half is where he, for me anyway, really killed it and nailed it. And there are a lot of movies that I continuously watch to this day. But this kind of falls in that tail end. It was like. Men in Black 2, Bad Boys 2 is actually pretty good. And then this came out, I remember. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then after that, he kind of went into a different direction in terms of the type of movie he was making. Yeah, and even then, like, there's, like, varying degrees of success. But there also are varying degrees of, like, oh, I was really impressed by that performance. Hmm. Right? Like, obviously, Pursuit of Happiness and all that kind of stuff kind yeah. of came. That's the direction he ended up going in because yeah. he was chasing that Oscar for yeah, a long time. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I'm a fan. You know, like, that was a lot of fun stuff, too. And I think, again, more movies that people probably hold verily like or, hitch yeah. and some other ones as yeah, well. yeah exactly like yeah. That, that whole pocket of time is like people really looked fondly at will smith during that time and i think he's always going to have like this nice cachet mm. and be able to kind of live in that world if he really wants to yeah it's gonna be interesting because this isn't going to be like a release like emancipation this yeah. is going to be a big theatrical release not like a, oh it's going to be an apple plus exclusive go out of your way to find it no yeah. this is going to be judged on opening weekend yeah. how the run does and it's obviously almost, with michael b jordan involved as well who's coming on a career high right now yeah he's peaking big time i think it's gonna be interesting to see like what the success or lack thereof of that movie is yeah. because i think it's going to kind of show number one where will smith is like kind of in that space like yeah. and i really don't anticipate a point where it's ever gonna be like well will smith can't get a movie made mm. you know what i mean like it's one thing i don't know i, I think enough time will pass where yeah like people are kind of gonna look past that kind of stuff look at like just celebrity culture like people get over that kind of stuff all the time yeah and uh i think there's like a there there will probably be like a nice little resurgence and i bet this is gonna be like the beginning of it as long as he puts out great movies Mm. that's i think the biggest thing he's got to worry about going forward is like especially these next couple projects just make sure they're hitting in a way when people do watch them they're they feel rewarded for having done that i can see him doing this and then another bad boys movie right now maybe his next couple of projects even there's there's been a another bad boy sequel in the works for a while especially with how that last movie ended up good is more important than like just familiarity like brand recognition or something like that like if he does a bad boys that's cool but like I don't think that's a good move. If it, right. if it was me, like I would be worried about making the best movie possible right now sure. instead of like, well, let's just be safe and check out if like Bad Boys 5 or whatever it is now. Whatever it is, yeah. yeah. But that's everything for the news. Let's get into, uh, so we're going to be doing two movies this week. The first one is going to be Godzilla Minus One. We're also going to be talking about Dream Scenario. Check out our timestamps in the description for either of those. But uh, yeah, let's talk about the first movie we're going to be discussing, Godzilla Minus One. It looks like Godzilla, but due to international copyright laws, it's not. Still, we should run like it is, Godzilla! Though it isn't. Ah! Alright, Jama, so we're talking about Godzilla Minus One, mm. the latest release from... Uh, it's the latest international film to kind of break through in North America like this has in... Uh, I don't know, it feels like a little while, mm. right? And uh, especially for something that's like more like an action movie or something like that. Like when's the last time you can even remember a movie kind of getting like this kind of buzz mm. from uh, from outside North America? Yeah, it's been a while. I can't even think. You have to do a Google search. Yeah, like Hollywood at least, right? Yeah. Like something outside of the Hollywood system that feels like a big studio production like right. this does. Yeah. I can't even remember the last time something like this really yeah, hit yeah, like this. For sure. But uh, yeah, it feels like there's so much buzz around this movie. It completely took over. Like I, I feel like I heard nothing about this movie. And then once it released, people were like, dude, you got to check this out. This is really fantastic. This is exactly what happened. Uh, and I've got to credit you here because I had no idea about this movie. I didn't see a trailer. Didn't see a poster. Had no, I know th- there's like a million Godzilla projects out there. There's both, literally one coming out like next month. Yeah. 
from a, a cinematic level and also from a television level. Like Apple Plus, there's right now a yeah. Godzilla Kong monarch show running with Kurt Russell and his uh, uh, son, Wyatt Russell, yeah. which I haven't even had a chance to see yet. Yeah. But just in general, I feel like for a number of years now, there's been a, a bunch of Kong movies, a bunch of Godzilla movies, monster like, you know, high kaiju level monster movies out there. And so when you told me, I'm like, oh, another Godzilla movie, <laughs> right? And then I checked out the Rotten Tomatoes score, first of all, right? Which typically I don't do, if I'm being honest with you. I know a movie's coming out. I've already kind of got my level of anticipation for it. I'm going to go check it out. But I had no point of reference. Like, again, like I said, no poster, no trailer, no idea, anything. And the day before I watched it, there were no audience scores. It was just a critic score and it was 100%. I'm like, okay, interesting, with about 20 or 30 reviews. The day I watched it, I did another check. And it was now audience scores were out and critic scores were out. We're in the hundreds and it's at 98%. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Is this where I'm going to be heading into right now? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like my kind of pre-movie hype enthusiasm level of interest going into Absolutely, it. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, for me, I really did have already like a solid expectation. Like at the end of the day, like I kind of walked in hearing like this is like the best Godzilla movie ever or whatever. Just across the board, people just being like, you got to check this movie out. Like don't sleep on this. And uh, I'm so glad I ended up watching. I was actually thinking like, all right, cool. Maybe I'll watch it in a little bit. I really wanted to watch an IMAX, all this kind of stuff, whatever. But it really worked out that I ended up watching it when I watched it because I loved it yeah. so, so much. Everything people said about it, it's that and more. Because uh, I can't even imagine walking in with any set of expectations and not being kind of blown away by this movie. Watching Godzilla Minus One, having seen the black and white one so many times on TV, I can see the homage being paid to that original movie. Yeah, because I mean, the one thing that I actually walked into this movie with was just the thought process was obviously just like the easy connection that, you know, Godzilla is originally this metaphor for the state of devastation that Japan was in post-World War II, Mm -hmm. right? So you, it's weird because growing up with all these other Godzilla properties, you lose that completely as like Mm -hmm. an idea even, like not even to make that connection. You don't even need to make that connection with a lot of these movies. But I think uh, a lot of the Godzilla movies, they kind of just lost the metaphor was. The essence. Like the, the idea of what Godzilla is, I never really understood it until watching like Japanese movies to like, Oh, okay, okay, this is what they're really trying to get across. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's an original property. It's so weird to think the transition that Godzilla as a property has made. Yeah. It's so different from like this original intention of it. Even even just the idea of Godzilla. Like, I remember going to Japan mm. and Godzilla is such an iconic character that literally you can go to, I think it's Shinjuku, and there's just like this entertainment area and you're just kind of hanging out and it's like a fun area anyways. And there's just this giant Godzilla figure looming over the entire city it's mm. so cool mm. because you're just hanging out you look up godzilla's right there is that like like a big uh activation it's, like it's, huge it's not even like that it's more like on top of a building is it a physical structure yeah oh wow and like you see it like kind of in the distance yeah like it's it's on top of a building it's not the whole body right it's literally just the top of it so you it looks like godzilla's coming from behind the right. building Got or whatever you. right, right? right and it right. just looks really dope because you know you have like i said you have all these godzilla movies that kind of miss the plot entirely like mm. godzilla movies that we've seen have been all plot no story this movie finally understands the story of godzilla and it feels like he really has something to say yeah there's a a really strong human story here yeah and I feel like I completely agree with everything that you've said. I think the Godzilla movies that have come out, let's just say in the past decade have been fine. Like they're big enough for me to kind of go check out at the movie theater, but they don't really stick with me. I'm not going out of my way to rewatch it. I'm not all of a sudden become this big Kaiju Godzilla Kong fan. They're just like, I know they're big spectacle movies, lots of big special effects, lots of action and stuff blowing up and all that kind of stuff. This was on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so driven by story and plot and by character development. You were so emotionally invested in what happens to these people. And then you just add in the Godzilla element after you, that. You know what though? The idea of like the Godzilla element, like when I think of like iconic characters, one thing is that a lot of times they carry like so much gravitas, mm. right? Like when you think of like recent examples of like Thanos, yeah. when he walks onto the screen, it's like, okay, cool. I can see this character is going to be devastating. Right. Right. When you think of like a Darth Vader, you like the second that guy walks onto the screen, like even when you think of the reason that scene in Rogue One 
is so iconic is because you, when Darth Vader walks onto the screen and he just exists in that one little scene, mm. it just captures exactly why Darth Vader is so amazing because, again, he carries this sense of, like... This aura. This aura about him, right? And this movie, when Godzilla has, like, that first occurrence, it's cool. But when he re-enters the movie, later on, having known what he's capable of, there's just something, as much as, you know, you're dealing with all these human characters and all these stories, when Godzilla walks on the screen, it feels like he has the most gravitas I've seen from a kaiju character in, I don't even know when. Yeah, one very important thing that you just mentioned there is this movie does not mess about. Within five minutes, you see Godzilla in all his glory, Yeah, right? And there's no like 45 minute build up and yeah, none yeah, of this yeah. sneaking and suspense and something lurking in the shadows. It's like, no, here you go. Yeah. But you know what? That first time when you see it, it almost like plants the seed. You see what he's capable as far as devastation goes. Yeah. But then when he comes back, you you had this like, all right, cool. I've seen what he's capable of. I can't believe he's back. Right. And like, there's something about when he enters the screen and that music's playing. Yeah. That I just was like. I was like taken aback by like how dope Godzilla felt in that moment. Yeah, and this goes to the uh, the homage element of what I was talking about earlier on because they use the original score from the original movie. Yeah. They even recreate some of the scenes from the original movie and goddamn what what a, what a what a beautiful story. Like some people say, online are, yeah. are literally saying this made them cry. Yeah, and I can completely co-sign that 100%. it's an emotional film and emotional story absolutely i don't want to dismiss the human side like no i want to talk about that too sure sure but like purely like it that's why i think this movie is really amazing because yeah. it hit me on multiple levels yes I, at some points i was like very emotionally drawn into like the relationship and all that kind of stuff with koichi and uh noriko mm-hmm. and that whole element was so interesting i want to get into that too but yeah, like yeah. when you pair that up with all right cool now i'm feeling for these characters i genuinely feel for these characters i have emotional connections to these you characters. care whether they live or die man and then you see this giant monster just show up and you're like all right cool this actually matters yes you know what i mean like everything that's happening on the screen if somebody dies i'm feeling that if mm-hmm. somebody like when the the wind sweeps narco away like genuinely like, in the moment i was like what just happened like yeah. do we, what like i didn't see that happening at all yeah and, and, and i cared about it because of how they built up to that scene yeah so it's really like really fantastic by the way uh even before we move on like anything else but like genuinely i really feel like this is one of the best movies of the year uh, i was just about to say that yeah yeah not just one of the not like, obviously i put it out there already but this is i in my opinion the greatest godzilla movie ever made but yeah it is already one of my favorite films of the year 100 percent. um i think some of the choices they made were uh, and this kind of comes back to right from a, a development um standpoint they set it post world war ii and which means there's no modern you know weapons mm-hmm. right so they kind of almost minimize the ability to destroy and kill this thing in the first place whereas if you look at all the recent movies like oh you've got these fire jets and nuclear bombs and lasers and all this other kind of stuff it kind of gets a little bit wacky right yeah. and it starts to become a little bit non-believable um but then also even just from the development of the relationships between koichi and noriko it's like six months later one year later and you already start to see massive strides in their relationship and it's incredible to watch i think the way they build that relationship is really magnificent yeah like genuinely you go through such a story i love how they played it out they reveal little by little as the movie goes on just the new kind of nuances to their relationship yeah and the new feelings that you kind of you don't get to just make assumptions at any point. You get to kind of go through this story with them. I actually like, um, I was thinking about it. And like, first thing is that she shows up with this baby, right? And mm. you're like, all right, cool. She's like Aladdin or something. Like, yeah. I don't know what's going on. And then she ends up staying with him. And initially it's against his wishes. And then he starts providing for them. Adds a new element. Yep. Right. You get this whole new dimension of providing. And then he has these conflicted feelings because he's still dealing with his own mental health issues and PTSD. And he's not ready to be vulnerable. Yeah. And he's not ready to put himself in that situation to be in a relationship because of he's still dealing with this whole other thing. He's dealing with shame. He's a kamikaze fighter yeah. that didn't commit suicide. Amazing choice to make. Right. What a layer to add Huge. to. Huge. 100%. And there's another character like the, you know, I, I don't know, the best, the babysitter, the the, the neighbor yeah. um, who is literally one of the very first scenes as he kind of comes back after being what one of only two survivors from this Godzilla attack is, you know, you let this country down. Yeah. Right. Like that's powerful stuff right it's there, man. Very powerful stuff. Cause you can understand the thought process of, of what's happening at the time. And you can see like real life devastating effects of what 
that feels like. Yeah. And he takes that. So, hey, like like you said, PTSD. He's let his country down. And then he goes into this kind of like inter- interesting relationship, right? Where he becomes a surrogate father and a, almost like a surrogate husband, sort of. But that's the thing. It's so unspoken. Yeah. That they, that I love the scene that they get to where they're having like this dinner scene and yeah. they're like, oh, something, something, something. What a nice wife. And she speaks up being like, no, nah, I'm not a wife. Yeah. And everyone's shocked. Yes. And like, I, I can understand from like a different perspective. You could be like, well, you know, whatever kind of family dynamics exist now, like it's so different to like what would happen back then. And that's the choice of this being set post World War Two. Yeah. This guy goes full patriarchy. He's like, yep, I'm going to go and be the man of the house. I'm going to earn a paycheck and I'm going to put food on the table. Yeah. You just and he be, feels like disrespected almost. Yeah. And then here this, here this woman is like, no, uh, I've got my business suit on. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to get a job and I'm going to earn too. And he's like shocked by that decision. Yeah. And again, it and can only be set during that time because it was so prevalent. That was like the norm back then. A hundred percent. And that whole idea of, of her going out of her way to like get a job and they figure her own life out is because in her head, they've not spoken about their relationship. Yeah. But for her, she's already having like, okay, feelings of like, uh, well, he's deciding not to choose me. Right. So if, if you're saying like, I'm not a wifey potential person, then I'm going to go figure out my own life. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to have to move on. And then when she dies, like we think she dies from Godzilla, it's it's just like, uh, it's very devastating because you never get to see this relationship kind of actualized. Yeah. Right. And I think that's why it's such a powerful moment because in the moment, I really believe she she was gone. Yeah. Right. Like genuinely, I was like, okay, cool. She's gone. Like, yeah. And what a I was great- shocked. I was like, oh my God, no way. And what a great way to do it. Right. You don't yeah. see the body. Yeah. Like there's nothing like it's just she's gone and that's it. Yeah. And it's that's why I think it's like so powerful because it really shows like the devastating effects of, you know, war and all that kind of stuff to like just literally from any point in your life, just sweep somebody away. But also because they it's an unspoken relationship, you are rooting for them to actually get together. Yeah. And when she apparently in that scene that you're referring to dies, you're like, no, it was, it's like Ross and Rachel are supposed to get together here, right? <laughs> yeah, honestly. And like the, the way the movie kind of moves and the way this uh, the flow of the story, just off the relationship goes, that the relationship aspect of this movie is such a great movie. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You add, like it's two different movies we're almost watching, but... When you're watching just that, that is so emotionally telling. Mm. And they really landed so strongly in that way yeah. that it makes all that other stuff, all the, you know, the stuff that actually probably gets people into the theater yeah. feel so much more consequential. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Yeah. The interesting thing also is this is like a very big success for the director, uh, Takashi Yamazaki. And the, the interesting thing is you would see like a normal formula for people who are like successful here with like a smaller film with a smaller budget this movie was apparently only made for like 15 million dollars and for them to come out with like this kind of output a little caveat to that i read this and i was blown away by the fact that it was made for 15 million dollars but apparently and i haven't done a full in-depth research on this but there are some incredibly um interesting stories coming out of just Japanese cinema and the industry there in general. And it's very similar to some of the the special effects workers on Marvel movies and comic book movies and the video game industry, where a lot of these people are being overworked I'm sure, and I'm, the labor 100%. laws aren't protecting them. Yeah. Um, because when I first saw $15 million, I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This does not look like a $15 million exactly. movie at all. Yeah, that's really what I was going for. But you're absolutely right. I'm sure it comes at the expense of that. Absolutely. But um, as far as how it looks, you kind of look at a movie like this and you anticipate that, okay, well, the next move for this kind of director would be to get scooped by like a giant studio. Right. Not only, I'm sure that's how these directors are trying to think, but it's interesting because he already shot a shot. He was like, I watched Star Wars and that's how I ended up being a filmmaker. I'm really hoping that I will get a call and they will bring me on Star Wars. Good for him. I think a more Japanese or even just Eastern take on Star Wars would be really, really interesting. So I hope they call me up. That actually sounds amazing to me. Yo. This guy is exactly who I want in Star Wars. Okay, draft so, this dude immediately. So remind me, because you're you're the big Star Wars fan. Here. What was the, what's the short anime series on Disney Plus called? Star Wars Visions. Star Wars Visions. Yeah. And when it first dropped, I think you and me watched the first two or three episodes together. Yeah, I watched like the rest of it. Right, I, I, I didn't. Finishing it, yeah, it's but, great. But one was very much like a black and white Japanese throwback mm-hmm. um, anime style. And I'm like, yo, can we get that as a full live action movie? Yeah. Like, why not, man? hundred percent. Like I want, not, it doesn't even have to specifically be something like that. I love the idea of the parallels of like samurai and yeah. Jedi and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But like, I trust a filmmaker like this to like do whatever you want. Mm. You know what I mean? Whatever story you can tell in that Star Wars space. Absolutely. This almost is what I would hope to see. Like directors like this, who are like thinking, I want to contribute to Star Wars. Like that is the kind of guy I would want. Yeah. Part of that. Dave Filoni needs to like, Get this guy. This and it's important to note, this guy wrote and directed Godzilla Minus One. Hmm. So like this guy from concept to execution knew exactly the movie he wanted to make. He wasn't just given a script and was like, all right, cool, go and make this movie. No, this is his idea. This is his baby. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. As far as like where he's going to go, I think it's just going to be interesting to see whatever his next moves are. He's the kind of director I will absolutely keep an eye on. Uh, as far as our categories go... Uh, let's go into best character. Who you got for this movie? I've got Ryanosuke Kamiki as Koichi. I just thought the the journey this guy goes on in the movie from beginning to end is is incredible. And yeah, just blown away by the performance. Yeah, for me, I absolutely love this performance, by the way. I actually feel like a lot of the performances almost feel like throwbacks a little bit too. Like a little bit over the top, mm. a little bit old school Hollywood. Not yeah. like, like even like the child actor, the way they kind of work with that kid, like that part of it is still feels very like vintage to me i don't know it just has a different feel that compared to like today's acting in that way right right so i think they captured that really really well number one but for me i still went with godzilla yeah only because like i could give it to like a human but like genuinely i was so impressed by how much of a real threat they made godzilla feel yeah that like as far as being like uh having like overwhelming positive feelings towards any performance like it was really <laughs> it was Godzilla it is what it is yeah i agree incredible you know character be brought to life by both you know practical effects and by special effects and i would go as far as saying i haven't been n- not impressed by special effects and that's not what i'm trying to get across here but a character like a big monster character being brought to life that instills fear in me as a member of the audience. I maybe have to go back to the original Jurassic Park and that T-Rex kind of like hunting these kind of characters that we were invested in mm-hmm. because we're so invested in the human characters. We care if they live or die. And so the, the guys that brought Godzilla to life did an incredible job in terms of really emoting, you know, what this creature is going through and what he's actually doing in terms of destruction. A hundred percent. Um, as far as best scene, where'd you end up with that? Man, so I ended up, take your pick for number one. Take your pick. And you could pick a scene that doesn't even involve Godzilla. Mm-hmm. But I am picking one that does involve Godzilla. Yeah. It's the first water chase where Godzilla yeah. is chasing the crew on the wooden boat. Yeah. And it gave me major Jaws vibes. Yeah, yeah. Like I it really, agree. I felt like, oh, this is like 1975 Steven Spielberg Jaws all over again because then they're on this like rickety wooden boat. How are they going to get out of the situation? Yeah, I, you know what I love is that every scene was a chance for the characters to like really live up to their character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, be as great as they can be in those moments when they're needed. Mm-hmm. I, this was actually my best scene as well. Oh, nice. So I, had, I had two. I had okay. variations. I had one as a Godzilla scene and one as a human scene. Right. This was the Godzilla scene because, like I said, I love this scene. I, I, it's just the idea of them trying to buy some time for the other ship to come. Like, so they try to just slow him down by attacking him, throwing landmines at him. The chase, like you said, absolutely amazing. Totally felt like a Jaws kind of moment for this movie. Yeah. Especially when they blow up his face from the inside. Yeah. And he resurrects his he face. Re- his I'm re- like, what? Yeah, he regenerates and you're just like, what the hell just happened? Like, that's crazy. It, <laughs> yeah. changed, it takes the vill- or it takes Godzilla to like a whole different level. Right, yeah. Number one. But on top of that, the tension on the way to that amazing yeah like really as good as it gets and uh yeah it's like an incredible action scene Mm -hmm. as far as the human scenes go initially when he does dismiss noriko as his wife when the other character says like you as her family you know fate brought you a family and that's like a really beautiful sentiment right and it's so complicated to even think like this poor guy is going through like ptsd he lost everything and everyone that's really important to him because of war also uh as a kamikaze pilot feeling that sense of like I'm a part of the reason why this, you know, thing happened. Mm. Almost like feeling like survivor's guilt in a long way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Naruko is just trying to like fulfill this promise to take care of the kid, like Akiko. And none of these situations are really easy to deal with, but they're dealt with in such human, delicate ways. Yeah, yeah. That, I don't know, it just, uh, that like that scene specifically, but most of the human scenes really just felt like they were handled with so much care yeah and they really got across like genuine feelings yeah they absolutely nailed it like across the board um having said that as far as star ratings goes you're being the worst five being the best where did you end up with this one one of my favorite films of the year in my opinion the greatest godzilla movie of all time it's getting 4.75 from me i can't recommend this enough it's a japanese movie 
with English subtitles. It's not getting a wide as release as you may think. You have to kind of kind of go out of your way to find this at your local theater, but it's so worth it. Please watch this movie. This is the kind of movie I would go out of my way to watch in IMAX too. Yeah. Like, absolutely. It's such a fun experience. The more immersive it can get, I think that's really a big win for it. Yeah. I actually ended up watching in Screen X. I know you did too. Mm. I will actually really like this in Screen X. Like, I don't really like a lot of movies in these kinds of experience where they have like kind of additional projectors on the side. Yeah. To kind of uh, add, like it feels like some peripheral vision. Yeah. yeah, It feels like sometimes like it's like a cash grab. You're watching like Fast X. Because they're expensive tickets for that screening. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 20 some dollars. And it's like when you're watching that in like Fast X, it's like, okay, cool. This doesn't feel like I'm getting anything extra. Right, right. But when I watched this movie, it really felt like a certain kind of immersive experience. I don't know. A lot of it felt like it fit really well with the movie for right. some reason. Okay. All right. But uh, for me, I actually ended up giving this movie five stars. Nice. Right? I didn't give a lot of five stars this year. Even for this movie, I'll be honest. At the end, I was a little bit hesitant. I was like, is that five stars? And if I'm already thinking that, then that means usually I can't give it five stars because, right. like, you know, that's just how my scoring system works. Sure, sure. But uh, he survives in the end and it's a nice ending comes back for the kid he lives yeah you know, he lives like it's like i love that idea like the like, the idea of you know sometimes you might have to go through the kind of situations like war is unfortunately sometimes uh something that you have to like uh react to yeah right like so many countries have to react to war not necessarily something that they can kind of just make an ethical choice of like oh we don't want to be part of wars like you know what i mean like a lot of countries don't have that kind of choice but mm. when he does make the choice to still contribute in the best way that he feels like he can instead of the idea of you're able to just throw lives at accomplishment and uh letting that kind of be the teller of who wins wars we talked about napoleon last week and how like dismissive of lives he was yeah something like this they're they're really showing the value of each individual life they wanted to execute their plans without losing anybody yeah, yeah. i think there's so much value in something like that for sure but then you have this false finish right you think narco's gone narco's alive and uh, I was like, all right, cool. One last pull at the heartstring. That's five stars for me. Yeah. That's all I need to see. And, uh, yeah, it was great. It, like I said, one of my favorite movies of the year. But uh, now we're going to talk about another movie. A24's latest release, Dream Scenario. Why does the zebra look the way it does? <laughs> so embarrassing. Hey, focus. Is this how it went? No, it's different now. Paul, you've been on my mind recently. Yeah. Because you keep popping up in my dreams. You don't do anything. You're just there. All right, so uh, just as a little background on this, mm-hmm. obviously you watched this at TIFF. Mm-hmm. You had been wanting to, like, you you wanted to talk about this movie forever. And I yeah, was like, yeah, oh, cool, yeah. I'll watch it at some point. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's I'll 824. Get, I'll get to it. Yeah, for sure, I will. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is like another one of those instances where like A24 doesn't miss. Mm. And I feel like that's like almost like we say that taking it for granted. But right. it's really cool that like the studio is having the run that it's having. So consistent. Yeah, so consistent. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I know you absolutely loved it, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, so this ended up being, in my opinion, the funniest film of 2023 for me. I watched it at TIFF, at the Toronto International Film Festival, in a packed audience, and in unison, we were all just kind of laughing and, and howling. I had literal tears of laughter streaming down my face mm-hmm. at so many moments during this film. And I've always been a fan of Nicolas Cage. Am I a fan of all of his movies? No. But this guy always just does whatever he wants to do, right or wrong, whether you agree or disagree, whether you like his films or don't. This guy just beats to the march of his own drum. And I respect that a lot, right? He had his little you know, run as an action movie star, went over and made some films in Asia. Earlier in his career, nabbed his Oscar. This guy just pretty much does what he wants to do, right? And I haven't really seen what I would consider a strong Nicolas Cage performance in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is like maybe one of the best performances of his career. Yeah, honestly, I, I feel like I have like a different perspective on this movie. Okay. Because I watched this movie so much later. Sure. So I'm actually at this point shocked that it's not a bigger hit. Me too. Right? Like this feels like the kind of movie that would be what Nick Cage should be remembered for mm-hmm. in like a couple of years. Like this is an era defining kind of Nick Cage performance for me. So it's almost surprising that just as a bankable star, this isn't a bigger movie. I can almost understand it from like the perspective of like over time, he's done a lot of weird roles. So like, it's almost like diluted the idea. Like I got to watch this Nicholas Cage. Yeah, movie. I agree. I totally understand that. Yeah. But at the same time, if you are a Nicholas Cage fan, like I'm surprised more people just haven't gravitated to it. 
and maybe they have maybe like quietly this is becoming like a successful movie like i have no idea mm. but yeah it's just, it's just surprising because you're right it is one of the funniest movies of the year it's almost surprising to, to not see more love all right for this movie yeah how, how did you kind of anticipate that because you watched it probably thinking like this is going to be a banger i completely co-sign everything that you just said i watched it thinking oh when this comes out this is going to be a movie that gets good word of mouth and people you know really gravitate towards it's going to go on a bit of a run of the box office it hasn't been the case and like you said nicholas cage isn't what you would consider to be a bankable star anymore these days he's not going to give you a massive opening weekend because that's just not who he is at the moment right like he's he continues to make very interesting choices whether it be independent movies or whether it what was it uh, Reinfeld we watched not too long ago yeah where he praised you know Dracula Renfield right Renfield yeah. right oh that was great yeah it was a good time right yeah good yeah, yeah yeah so he's on a good run and also that yeah. movie's really funny too yeah it is he's making a lot of good comedic choices yeah like uh, and I kind of just saw a, a quote where he kind of just said he's only got maybe a couple of more years left yeah and he wants to hang, hang it up and yeah I actually have the quote so basically he says he's considering retirement for movies he says uh, I feel I've pretty much said what I've had to say with cinema and I'd like to leave on a high note and say adios he mentions that he has three or four movies that are still locked in and will possibly transition to theater or he's also mentioned that he might prefer to act in a tv show next oh instead so it doesn't necessarily mean that he's gone but yeah uh, yeah. yeah, there's still there's still other stuff absolutely but i just feel like dream scenario is so well written it's so well executed and it's really driven by nicholas cage's performance as paul matthews Mm. and it kind of just looks at this idea of the everyday joe the everyman becoming an overnight celebrity and how he deals with it in its own way yeah. um the the highs and the lows it's very dark satire dark comedy but it's just it feels so fresh yeah yeah i had a great time with I this think film it, i think it's a really strong metaphor for like virality mm. like the life cycle of like being online memes especially like nick cage being kind of he talked about it on the red carpet just the idea of being like memeified yeah yeah and like it's this thing of like well it's kind of like what it, the progression that this movie kind of follows it's the idea of being like oh my gosh have you seen this meme this thing is so crazy this yeah, thing's yeah. so great and then it kind of just turns negative and everyone's like oh, i hate this meme i see it everywhere blah 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 and like you just hate it eventually everywhere. overexposed yeah, yeah absolutely and just being loved at first and then being aggressively hated for things that are absolutely outside of your control so yeah i think it really understands and like captures the idea of uh not to like talk about it in any sort of way but mm. i think the film like talks about the like, cancel culture yep. the effects of social media like how much it can like gas you up like you see in the start of this movie where he's just so excited that like people finally care what he has to say yeah right and it, i think it's an interesting thing when you put value on something that's successful in social media yeah right like you have to be like almost care because you sometimes if you give it power i think it has like certain level of control mm. regardless of whether you know, you really identify with like, well, this is like how I value myself or whatever, right? I think a part of it is like when you feel great about it, you also leave yourself in a certain level of vulnerability where you can feel bad about it too. Yeah, I I have this kind of like um, the saying, this motto, this is kind of general mindset that I've always tried my best to maintain. And it's like, don't let the negative comments affect you but at the same time don't let the positive sentiment and the positive comments get to your head yeah is try and balance and keep that fine line and don't let either you know hit you just do your thing do your art put your content out there do your work and and don't let either affect you either which way big time i think it's like the very much the idea of like gaining notoriety for the sake of gaining notoriety Mm. instead of what you feel like you actually contribute yeah right because I think there's a slippery slope when people do generally gain the notoriety for what they output, what yeah. they create or like what they offer to like a community. I think if you stay true to like your intention and what you're hoping to actually make, this movie isn't necessarily completely indicative of how fame works, but it is a big way to talk about how like fame can or like any kind of notoriety will will uh, kind of take you like a highs of highs and yeah. can like completely devastate you in so many different ways. And like you, you we've seen it like again and again, like this is more prevalent on social media now than like that's why i felt like i was really surprised about this movie because it's like this feels very current yeah and it's surprising that more people haven't identified it with it i actually think there's so many times this year like about like bottoms right like i was like well this movie feels like it's made for people right now right it feels like it's really hilarious for right now and i'm surprised that these kinds of movies don't find a home Mm. but it's also possible that a movie that's kind of made to satisfy 
uh, an audience that like lives on social media, it almost makes all the sense in the world that that doesn't have, that doesn't translate right. to box office. Got you. Cause you yeah. like you're these people are like conditioned to like watch something for like 20 seconds in like a rotation over and over. You're eating these short endorse, like a uh, endorphin like hits dopamine hits. Yeah. yeah. And then like, instead of being like, well, this is a movie about that. Let's go watch it for two hours. Right, I feel right, like right. I don't know if that translates in the same way. The audience that you're looking for might not be the one that would go out of the way to watch it. It's almost like the people that are going out of the way to going out of their way to watch it are almost also the same people who are very cautious about the effects of something like social media. Yeah, what, what's interesting is I watched a movie and then when I watched, I can't remember what other film it was at the theater. I saw the trailer for Dream Scenario, and if I didn't know anything about the movie and I just saw the trailer you see this kind of like older man lead played by Nicolas Cage and then even the um the I guess the style and the choice that they went with in terms of the film and how they shot it 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 looks kind of a little quote-unquote old and dated yeah it's got that kind of weird feel to it where it doesn't feel like fresh and current like you know that uh an 18 to 39 demo may yeah, go and check it out right exactly. away, right? And it feels like it's it's a movie that's almost like made as like commentary for those people, mm-hmm. but it's not a movie that those people necessarily would go to. Yeah. That's really like the weird pocket I kind of find. It's that marketing. Movie. It's how do you get, because if they, if you can get them in the door, yeah. I'm pretty sure you, me both agree, they would have a fantastic time with great this film. Great time, absolutely. Yeah. And like, it's kind of interesting because, uh, so they have another great performance that they have in this movie is Michael Sarah. Yeah. Right? And, He's I know so, you're a big fan, by the way. He's absolutely so good. Yeah. And I actually forgot that he was in this movie. So for me, it was like almost this pleasant pop. Nice, nice. Right? And uh, I feel like Michael Sarah is actually like a great case study for all of this. Mm-hmm. Because he's someone who could probably relate to this movie a lot. Right? Like, I'm sure that's why he signed up for it. But he's this guy who was in all these early comedic roles that everybody loved Michael Sarah. He's just this lovable nice looking dude he's so naturally charismatic on screen like, you know what you're getting with a movie with michael Sarah, right yeah. that was the thing he and had like, about think him. about it like you yeah. have like Superman, and it's like this person who like is really likable right and like even though his friend makes fun of him but like that's like the guy in your group of friends that you like like yeah right that's who michael Sarah kind of represents and he's so beloved and then he did like uh they actually did this bit in the Superbad dvd extra features where they did this whole thing about everybody hates Michael Sarah. They filmed like this mockumentary about it. Right. right? And so, I haven't seen that. It's That's, so jokes, right. right? It's so funny. And in that, you kind of get a sense of like, well, this guy is like, obviously he's like so loved, but then there's like this period where, uh, because he kind of has like a similar experience to Paul in the movie. Yeah. Right. Where he's like super beloved, but then he has like this period where that kind of doesn't go away entirely. I think it's different for like a film star or a movie star, or a TV show star or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I think people are like kind of attaching this idea of like, well, I love Michael Sarah because it's super bad. And I love Arrested Development and I love Scott Pilgrim and all this kind of stuff. So you, yeah. you think he's like this guy, but mm. he's also like this teenage guy and he has to grow up out of that. So like the transition period was kind of weird. I'm sure he kind of relates to like the dip because people, when you see him in other roles, probably think like he doesn't fit this idea of what I think he is. I remember back in the 80s, Michael J. Fox went some, went through something like this as well, where he was almost yeah. like typecast as the high school kid. Absolutely. And, and then he like, couldn't grow out of it. transition out of it? He was forever young. Exactly. Yeah. And, you, yeah. and like trying to get out of that where people have this specific attachment to you, I think is really interesting. And then the funny thing is what's happening now. He's funny and super bad. And he's in so many like great old school movies. But now it's like almost like the age where he's allowed to like kind of just try different stuff again. Right. Right. Like people are kind of like opened back up to the idea yeah. of like, well, he's in Barbie, he's in this and like all these other great movies and stuff. And for a while it felt like there's a weird period, but now he's able to just be in great new movies. And it kind of shows that like fame might be fickle, but talent is more enduring. Mm-hmm. And like, I look, look at Michael Sarah now, like you get to see like, okay, cool. Well, this guy isn't just, funny let's like you know make fun of him in a movie and it's fun and playful and he can like take it as a character yeah and now he can just actually be a more fully realized person yeah and, and also he goes through that journey like really really well like yeah he's like the best version of this like uh, movie almost. for sure and and also it's it's great and i commend him for not um oh, having the mindset rather of not thinking oh i've got to make sure i carve out my career and kind of try and get these leading roles this isn't the lead role of this movie yeah right and he does a great job in the 10 15 20 minutes is in this movie mm. he serves his purpose does a great job with the character brings so much to the film I'd but he's not the lead the second most important character in the yeah, entire movie yeah. because he almost 
almost represents like the idea of taking fame and manipulating it. Yeah. And using it for the wrong things and making it corrupt and yeah. impure. Like if you, like the idea of just getting adulation, I'm sure everybody would love. Right. right. Like everyone thinks like, oh man, I'd love to be like super famous and loved by everybody. Right. Right. But then there's like this other pocket that this person, like Michael Sarah's character kind of corrupts. Yeah. He, he wants to like, he's like, oh, this is nice. It's nice that you have all this fame. Let's see how we can make money off of it. Yeah. And I, and I wonder how real some of these scenes that were written are. I would bet very damn close to being real because yeah. a lot of these celebrities and actors and, and viral superstars that are probably getting approached by agencies that are trying to cash in on the moment and get these endorsement deals and brand deals. Think about, um, imagine you're an amazing actor, yeah. right? And you're in like the best movie and everyone's telling you, you are amazing. Look how good this performance is. And then the next thing somebody tells you is like, you want to go do a commercial for Sprite? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what? I was just told like I'm an amazing actor and now you want me to go do this thing? Right. Like, or you go boss. Who or, am I? Yeah. Like, I? I can understand like a sense of like your identity is being questioned. I think that's why it's really important like kind of uh, as the experiencer. You know what I mean? Like it's a weird metaphysical, like a philosophical kind of idea. But like when I think of like life, like you are the experiencer, you get to choose your own adventure mm-hmm. almost. So yeah. you have to be the one before anything happens or whatever. You have to be the one like consistently always checking yourself yeah. about what your values are, who you identify like as, as a person and uh, how you want to carry yourself. I think this is like a great movie to kind of show mm. of like all of that really, really matters in how you handling this is purely like if you're just like Paul and you're like fame hungry a little bit, and you do have nothing to actually back it up with. Like he doesn't even have a book and he keeps talking about he wants to make this book. If you want to make the book, you would have made the book. Yeah, what's, what's funny is initially it's not even the fame. He just wants recognition yeah. for his life's work. Exactly. And then that gets put to the side because he's just famous for this bizarre reason. Yeah. And then he gets he just latches to that. And yeah. then the recognition of his life's work, it just goes to the wayside. Yeah, exactly. Even though he has value, he throws it to the side because he realizes he doesn't care about the value. He really just wanted the fame initially. Yeah. yeah. And uh, even now in the end, he still like kind of latches onto that even after the fact. Yeah. But it's cool. Like the end of the day, I think the conclusion that they come to is like, at least he's, I, I kind of see at least he's working on something. Yeah. He's completely full of compromise yeah. at this point now. And mm-hmm. he like, is like a shell of himself essentially. But yeah, like yeah. he basically gave a lot of himself up so that he could live that life. Mm. And I think that's an interesting choice to make. Yeah. As far as our categories go, uh, who would you have for best character for this one? I mean, it's easily Nicolas Cage as as Paul Matthews. I, like I said, I think it's one of the best performances of his career. It's it's something different. His catalogue, his resume, when you look at the characters he's played, God bless Nicolas Cage, honestly, man. You know what's jokes? I can't remember Nicolas Cage just being like a normal guy like this. Right, you right. Know what I mean? Like this is like the most normal guy he's ever felt. Yeah, like. bald uh, with like the, the 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 hair on the side and the back. Yeah, but even just his mannerisms, like he's yeah. not like a over the top character. He's no. just like a normal regular dude, professor and in a school. We, the weird thing is, we know how weird Nicolas Cage is. Yeah. So the fact that he's acting normal, we're like, what a performance! <laughs> That's unbelievable! Wow. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. He's always got it in in the bag. Yeah. He's got the ability to just go hard and get involved in a role and just surprise people that oh by the way forget what you think about Nicolas Cage yeah he's a damn good actor when he wants to be he is a damn good actor especially like a role like this is really fun because you get to play off the idea of what Nicolas Cage is yeah um as far as best scene goes which one did you end up with this one oh man again another one of those movies where you can take your pick uh I, I ended up going for the scene that for me, made me laugh out loud. I'm so curious. The most. Yeah, yeah. And this may be so juvenile, but it's when Paul is cheating on his wife and farts. Oh my God. As things are just about to get steamy. Okay, can I, this is actually exactly my scene as well. Right? <laughs> it's exactly, I think it's one of the funniest scenes of the year. Yeah. And yeah, so you're right. When he's like creating this dream for this girl from this marketing company, right? Where he has to stand in the corner. He comes out and she has to like coach him, right? Because the funny thing is like, she wants, he's taking the lead physically, Mm. right? And then she realizes like, this guy is not the dream. I have to be the one to take the lead. 
Then she goes for his pants and he farts. Yeah. <laughs> I laugh so hard and I feel like I'm never going to grow out of like the idea of a fart joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if anyone does. Like, yeah. It felt like the entire, entire theater was like, yes, I'm going to reward this fart joke. And yeah, that's probably one of the funniest scenes of the entire year. Yeah, for sure. Um, As far as star rating goes, zero being the worst, five being the best. Where'd you end up with this one? I gave it a 4.5 stars. Um, I think it's the funniest film of 2023. It's one of Nicolas Cage's best performances of his career. I would highly recommend going out of your way to watch it in the theater while it's still around because you got to watch this in the theater man yeah i agree i don't think a lot of people will have that opportunity obviously but i really think it's like a really fun movie to watch with a bunch of people yeah it really is weird but it's really funny yeah you will get rewarded for it i went with 4.25 i think it's one of nicholas cage's best performances in recent history it feels like such an original idea mixed with cautionary messages that are so relevant and especially with how social media is so important to us mixing in um, like the the messaging without beating you over the head with it yeah is like especially with this kind of thing feels very difficult to pull off but they really did it with grace like yeah. really really well and like by the time you get to the end of this movie you're just like number one i went on like a ride but like number two at no point was i bored with this movie it's just really hilarious and interesting all the way through yeah uh, we spoke about this offline a little bit but I'm very curious about the Golden Globes because they're the one award show that kind of splits the drama and the comedy. Yeah. And I wonder if Nicolas Cage gets his flowers on the comedy side here. You, you mean like a win? Yeah. I, I think he'll get a nomination for sure. Yeah. A win is like, I don't know, because yeah. this year, especially in like all the top categories, it's so aggressively competitive. I just can't, from the top of my head, think of another comedic performance that I would put up there with Nicolas Cage yeah. right now. The category is comedy or musical. Oh, so, true. Uh, there's always a movie, like, just for example, I remember the year, okay, I forget who was in the nominees, but the winner, just of this, the winner was uh, that Martian movie with Matt Damon. Oh, gotcha. For best yeah. comedy or musical. Is that a funny movie? I think it beat like Pineapple Express or something. It's like, that's a funnier movie? Like, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. Comedies in general, if they're specifically funny, are not rewarded. But the weird thing is, is like, who cares if they're rewarded? The real reward is like, you know... Um, Absolutely. Like this is just kind of like a side mission talk, like, oh, potentially, let's see what happens. It's kind of a weird thing, yeah. though, right? Because, like, when you're making a movie for critical adulation, almost, yeah. right? Like, this movie almost fits a little bit more in that way. It's not all the way like a raunchy comedy or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It still wants the awards and the adulation of it all. But at the same time, like, I almost get that just it, because it's comedy, it might not be rewarded in the way you want it to be rewarded. Yeah. But something that is as silly as the thing that you like is it's just really important to a specific group of people. And you right. just happen to be one of those people. Yeah, you know I, I mean? 100%. If it does, though, get its flowers, you know, at the Golden Globes, it'll, it'll be one of those movies that people are like, oh, Nicolas Cage won for this. I better check it out. Yeah. Because it's not getting that love right now from the yeah. box office. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, hopefully it does in the long run. And maybe it'll find an audience on streaming and just be like a really well-loved movie. You know yeah. what I mean? And then like, yeah, I think the weird thing is like a movie like this is almost like a conversation piece of a movie yeah, yeah. sometimes. So maybe it'll have a whole different kind of lifespan and maybe it'll be appreciated in completely different ways. Bottom line though, A24, once again, they do not disappoint, man. They do not disappoint. They really, every year, have been putting out incredibly stellar movies and in, like and so continues. many different genres too yeah. and yeah. obviously they have plans now to make like bigger budget movies a movie like this almost makes me wish that a movie like this almost had a bigger budget right. because like uh, this movie with a bigger budget would be like even more wild because you could explore the, the dream scenarios and yeah. be like you know be exploring those in way more imaginative ways because they obviously got some really great special effects in this movie but you could probably go way more extreme if you yeah, really wanted to. True. If you had a way bigger budget, yeah. So let's see. Let's maybe a movie like this would have done better had it had a bigger budget and right. been able to play with it a little bit more. That would have drawn in, you know, maybe people for like the CGI idea of it all. But this movie almost delivers this idea of like this is a normal movie that turns really weird. Going back to the point I made earlier this year when the news first came about a twenty four kind of getting more into the commercial space and and making blockbusters. I still hold on to my point from that conversation where I, 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 I'm adamant that if they can get success commercially from these big kind of blockbuster style movies, and if it means they can continue to produce movies like a dream scenario that isn't going to get the box office love as a part of their catalog, I am all for it. I if think, that's their MO, I am down, man. I think really the biggest thing is as long as they still have the people, the people that are in the positions of power that are like 
really strong tastemakers and have good instincts. As long as they trust that and they really trust the idea that this actually looks good yeah. and not just doing a CGI movie for the sake of doing a CGI movie. Right. I think as long as they keep that consistent, well, I don't see why this, this run has to end. And I don't see why like a studio like A24 can't grow and maybe it's not going to have the same kind of chronological like uh, connectedness as like, let's say an MCU or something like that. So people feel like they have to watch every MCU movie. But I imagine if this is bigger, you know, the more and more people are just going to be like, I just don't want to miss an A24 movie. Yeah. And that is valuable. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But um, that's everything for as far as dream scenario goes. Let's get into the last segment of the show. Jump, can you hit me with Sanders recommendation for this week? Yeah, this week, I have got some connective tissue and it was a little tough though, because it was easier to get the connective tissue with Godzilla rather than Dream Scenario. Mm. I ended up recommending Jaws from 1975. It's really the first real blockbuster which kind of shifted the entire paradigm of the film industry. I even did an entire module um, studying this movie um, back at university when I studied film studies. But it's one of the best suspense thriller movies by Steven Spielberg. It put him on the map. It's still so rewatchable all these years later. It's a timeless classic. I've watched it a bunch of times. If it's on, I'm just like, yep, cool. I'm going to stick around for this. And if you haven't seen it, because it's like a, a movie from the 70s, go out of your way to watch it. Jaws by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously iconic classic. For me, I also wanted connective tissue. So uh, one of the movies that got me back into horror movies was Insidious. And that's my recommendation. The original Insidious movie. James Wan was in his bag in this era like he made insidious and conjuring within a few years of each other this man was like putting up like triple doubles like creating franchises with like the flick of his wrist and yeah again the created the connective tissue that i wanted to kind of go with is just dreams turning into nightmares and the premise of insidious if you haven't seen it is obviously a massive franchise and all that kind of stuff but if you haven't seen it um the premise is basically imagine if you could astral project like basically leave your body in like a dream state and when you did that, what if something came back with you? Mm. And I think that is such a great concept. And it's not a movie that relies on like jump scares or cheap thrills. It does all that stuff, mm. but it also does what great horror movies do. And that's create characters that you care about in deeply suspenseful situations. And more than anything, it creates a brand new world for you to live in. And in this case, experience nightmares in. Such a great movie. Go out of your way to check out Insidious if you haven't already. I would even go out to say, uh, I'm not going to, this isn't part of the recommendation, but go out of your way to check out part two. Because if you just have those two, that's such a strong one-two combo of horror movies. They absolutely are tremendous. After that, it gets okay. But those first two movies are absolutely amazing. Go out of your way to check them out. But that's everything for this week. Jump with where can anybody find us? We are at Screen Off Script on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube Shorts. We're available on Apple and Spotify. Listen, do us a favor. If you agreed, disagreed, or have anything to say with regards to our reviews of Godzilla Minus One or Dream Scenario, let us know in the comments. By doing that, it actually helps the algorithm and helps our show get found by new audiences. Awesome. Thank you for checking us out this week. Take care. <laughs>